Well, good morning, y'all. And happy Lord's Day. Thank you. <clears throat> Guys, uh, growing up as a kid, I, I love fire. I don't know how many people in here like fire, but give me a show of hands. Yeah, I love fire. Most of that was guys that mostly rose their hands. Something about fire just intrigued me, um, and still does. Um, everything about it, the way it lights a place up in the midst of darkness, the, the warmth that it gives, it just like draws you in, and you just stare at fire for hours. Um, and then it also can create really cool atmospheres. Conversations can happen, and uh, it's just really cool. I think it's one of the reasons why at St. Ben's, the minor seminary where guys go for their undergrad uh, to study for the priesthood, they have this thing called Bonfire Day. And the seminarians spend the first half of the semester going out into the woods and cutting down trees and building about a two-story bonfire. It's magnificent. And they, so they have the big bonfire, and they have a football game, and it's just a, just a guy's day. But you know, I was thinking, if that bonfire would never be lit up on fire, it would be a magnificent structure. I mean, it is really cool looking. It looks like a big pyramid. It would look really cool. But I think if that, that bonfire, those logs could speak, I think they would say, light me up. <laughs> it's meant to burn. It's supposed to burn. Other than that, it's just a cool structure. But it's supposed to burn. And until it starts burning, it'll never do and be what it was created to be. It's supposed to be lit up, right? Jesus uses this image today of fire. And he really shatters everything of what we know to be the Jesus we grew up with, right? He speaks about bringing division and not peace. Listen to what he says. In Luke chapter uh, 12, nope, 13. Today, he said, I have come to cast a fire upon the earth, and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which I must be baptized with, and how I am constrained until it is accomplished. Do you think I've come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. This is a shattering image of the Jesus that we grew up with, right? We grew up with the Jesus that wants to come bring peace on earth, right? We almost have this Barney mentality of Jesus, right? I love you, you love me, right? We have this mentality that Jesus is like this little bitty lamb and he's just so cute and he wants to bring peace everywhere. And, but Jesus shatters this image in a radical way today. I didn't come to bring peace, he says. I've come to bring division. We're going to break this open because it is, it's got to be understood, but it's a great mystery that we're breaking into here. Because on one hand, it is speaking about Jesus' second coming, all right? But I don't have time to get into the whole thing of that. I want to get into um, this baptism that Jesus says he's going to be baptized with, right? He says, there's a baptism I must be baptized with and how I'm constrained until that happens. He's in shackles. He's dying to do this. Literally, the baptism of Jesus that he speaks about, that he desires so bad, is his passion, death, resurrection, and ascension. He can't wait to get the mission started. Many of us might feel that way right now, right? School has started. How did you feel growing up until school is starting as parents? You're like, man, I can't wait till school starts. <laughs> it's been a long summer. Hurry up, you know? There's a desire that is inside of us, and Jesus is feeling this desire for what? To give himself on the cross. 
to pour out love for us. That's his desire. That's his baptism. But there's also going to be fire that's associated with this baptism. At least that's what Matthew tells us. Whenever Matthew speaks of Jesus' baptism by John, listen to what he says. It's Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. John says this to Jesus. I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me, oh, he's speaking not to Jesus, he's speaking to his followers. He who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So listen to this. Even from the very beginning of Jesus' public ministry, his baptism, he's associated with a baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. All right? So from the very get-go, Jesus is associated with fire. Now, I don't know about you, but fire, as I said, can be a really cool thing, but it can also be a dangerous thing. Because fire is not meant to be contained. We try to contain it. But fire, to be fire, consumes. And Jesus wants this baptism to be an all-consuming fire. Right? So it's really cool to see this. That this fire we received at baptism. How many of you know what this is? Anybody know? We'll come over here to our friends. Do you all know what this is? Yeah, it's a branding iron, right? So <clears throat> this is a branding iron. What, what happens with a branding iron? If I just walk up to somebody and I would just touch them with this branding iron. Can I touch you? All right, boom. Did it do anything? No, no it didn't hurt you. Why didn't it hurt you? It's supposed to be hurting though, right? Yeah, there's no fire on it. For a branding iron to do what a branding iron is supposed to do, which is to claim something for that cowboy, it's got to be placed in fire. Other than that, it's just a piece of steel. It has to be placed in fire. And then if it's placed in fire, it burns. It claims. It seals. It makes that animal the property of this cowboy, right? We received a seal in our hearts, in our souls, at our baptism. This is when we first started burning with God's love for us. At baptism, you received a seal similar to this. And that seal, you can't see it. It's an invisible seal. It's marked on your soul. But it claimed you and I for God. It made you and I sons and daughters of the Most High God. That's what baptism did. It sealed you. You can't take it away. No matter how far we go in our sins, it will never, ever, ever be washed away. You're sealed. You're claimed. Right? And I would say that it's at that moment that our hearts begin burning with God's love. As St. Augustine says, You touched me, O Lord, and I burned for your peace. Right? The touch of God sets a fire within us and it can't be extinguished no matter how great the sin is in our lives this fact remains you're still sealed and a fire of God's love will always want to be rekindled and set aflame why because it's what you're created for like the bonfire it's meant to burn when's the next time we're set with a seal we know it it happens usually now in our junior year of high school. Confirmation. That's the next seal that you receive. The bishop, you come up to the bishop and the bishop marks your forehead with chrism oil and says, Receive the Holy Spirit. 
Be sealed with the Holy Spirit, right? He seals you. Another branding of which we can't see, but yet we've got. Now, what have we done? You're now being sent out to go out and set the world on fire. You've been given the gifts of the Holy Spirit at confirmation to go out and set the world on fire with God's love and His mercy. That was the first time we've been ignited. And once our hearts are burning with that love, we can do great things, but they have to consume. So Jesus speaks, he says, I've come to cast a fire upon the earth. You hear his desire, how I wish it was already blazing. (laughs) This is the, the, the heart, the desire of Jesus. So this passion, death, and resurrection of his baptism, and then we have the sealing of the Holy Spirit, the coming of the Holy Spirit. We also know this to be Pentecost, don't we? How did the Holy Spirit appear at Pentecost? Tongues of fire. Yeah. This fire came down upon the apostles. And it set them up. It lit them up in a powerful way. So much so that y'all got to remember, they were afraid. They were locked up in the upper room. Why? Because they thought that the Jews were going to do the same thing to them that they had done to Jesus. They didn't want to go outside. They were fearful. They couldn't speak the truth. Because they would be persecuted and killed. Once they received the Holy Spirit, the fire came down upon them and set them free. And they were at that moment able to go out and begin preaching boldly who Jesus is and what he had come to do. So bold that their first, St. Peter's first homily that he gave at Pentecost converted over 3,000 people. It's pretty good. I haven't had that record yet. (laughs) Right? 3,000 were converted because of the fire that he spoke with. There's an awesome, awesome quote. St. John Vianney, he's the patron saint of diocesan priest. I visited his place over in Ars on my pilgrimage. It's this beautiful little out of the way in the middle of Nowheresville uh, little place. And This man was so incredible, he fasted on potatoes for the salvation of his parishioner's souls. Like for years. It was incredible. And so much so that he ended up not being able to speak. And so he would get up at the pulpit and he would just weep. And he would try to speak to his people. You couldn't understand a word he was saying. But yet, for some reason, he was packing the church. And so a reporter came to ours and they asked somebody, they said... Why do you come here to try to listen to a man who really can't even speak anymore? And the parishioner told him, he said, I don't come here to listen to a man speak. I come here to watch a man burn. To watch this man burn with God's love. That's all you have to do at a bonfire, isn't it? A bonfire doesn't have to speak to you. It just has to burn and you're captivated by it. This is what Jesus is calling us through our baptism, through confirmation, to simply burn. That's what we're created for, right? And it's this burning of our hearts that Jesus speaks of that will cause division, right? It'll cause division. He says it. Do you think I've come to bring peace? No, I tell you, but rather division. The day will come, he says, when I will, whenever father will turn against son, son against father, Mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Notice he doesn't say that father-in-laws will be against (laughs) brother-in-laws, (laughs) son-in-laws. Anyway, I'm just kidding. 
But this, <laughs> this division is real. And we know it, right? But before we even get to how it's real for us, think of first century Judaism. In the very, very beginning, whenever Jesus is coming and, and he is performing all the works that will show that he's Messiah, whenever the Jews converted and began to follow him, y'all, that was a real thing. You had to basically leave mother and father because you're saying that you believe that this man, this Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth, is indeed the long-awaited Messiah. That caused great division amongst the first century Jewish families whenever Jesus was walking the earth. Great division happened if they wanted to follow Christ, right? And as time goes on, it becomes more and more of a Christianized society, especially in where we live. <clears throat> but there's still division, isn't there? Think about our own households. How many times, whenever, let's see, spouses, right? How many times in spousal relationships, whenever one of them begins to get involved in the church and the other one doesn't? What kind of division does that cause, even maybe within the heart? The husband or the wife has to show up at church without the husband or the wife, right? A division happens. Happens within families. Happens with children, too. Whenever kids stop going to church or they start moving on a, on a path that you raise them not to do. Yeah, a division starts to happen. It's just normal. Um, it happens with vocations as well. <clears throat> Work in the vocations office, young men, young women that are discerning priesthood or religious life. Man, most of the time, it's division that happens. It's as if parents want to say, okay, we want to raise you to be a good little Catholic or a good little Christian, but don't get too crazy. <laughs> right? You see, if a young man or young woman's heart begins to get set on fire with God's love, what is the nature of fire? It's to consume. It's not to just keep it and contain it in a little bit. It's not our job to just light a little fire within the hearts of our young ones and say, okay, just keep that little fire and be a good little citizen and everything's going to be okay. No, sometimes those young men and young women have a fire that ignites within them so much so that they want to go out and they want to bring it to the world in radical ways. And it's a struggle. It's a division that happens. Trust me. <laughs> I would say eight out of ten young men that go into the seminary it's against their parents' wishes, but they have to follow God's will, right? And so we see this division that takes place, but it's a division that is founded in love. Love for God, first and foremost. That's what we're called to, and everything else will fall in place. And so you can't sit there and tell the bonfire, I'm never going to light you up. No, you're created to be lit, that's what Jesus is letting us know. He desires to light this fire within all of our hearts, so much so that whenever we go out into this world of darkness, the darkness shatters because you bring the light of Christ to it. A fire doesn't speak. A fire simply illuminates. It's all it does. And so that's what we're called to be. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You're light. You're fire. Go be fire. Go be light to the world. In the world of darkness, why is it a darkness of the world? Maybe it's because Christians have covered up their little fire, hid it under a bushel basket. we got to let that light shine bright, guys. Because whenever the light shines, it dispels the darkness. And we become what we were supposed to be, light bearers, right? Light bearers. You're meant to bring the light of Christ. 
Many times people say, well, oh, I don't know what to say. You don't have to say nothing. Just shine. Let that fire of God's love burn bright. And when it does, you will begin seeing conversions. You just bring it into people's life, and they will either walk away and say, oh, no, you're a holy roly. I ain't going to talk to you. Or they're going to say, no, that's really warm. I'm going to come up and see what this fire is all about that's kindled within your own hearts. So today, let's ask the Holy Spirit, every single one of us, Lord, consume me. Burn away within me whatever is not from you so that I may be set on fire with your love and not be afraid to go out and bring that fire into my families and into my workplace and into the school and into all those areas of life that need the light of Christ. Amen.